Welcome to the Choose Your Attitude podcast. I'm Nicholas Strand, founder and CEO. I am so excited to be here today. We're broadcasting on YouTube and all major podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube channel and wherever you're listening. Like us, leave a comment, a review. Always, we love to hear what you guys have to say. It means the world to us. Today's show, I'm so excited to have the author of The Shoebox Effect and the creator of the National Association of Adoptees and Parents. Her name is Marcy Keithley. She, through a a personal experience of an actual shoebox, opened her life up of some of the heavy pain in her life and learned how to overcome and manage and go through those emotions. She learns self-awareness and using her story of an adoption experience and bringing it into light of how we can better ourselves and our lives through the many trials and tribulations we go through in life. It's a beautiful story, and I hope that you enjoy this interview, and I challenge you to listen, to understand, and to be able to feel comfortable that you are not alone. So please, listen to this podcast, but first, let's hear from our sponsors. This podcast is made possible by viewers like you and your continuous support, and of course, our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Choose Your Attitude brand a premium encouragement brand. Choose Your Attitude is a community that champions the idea that attitude is a choice within everyone's grasp. A brand isn't good without a logo, and boy, does Choose Your Attitude have a meaning. Turn it on its side, it's an hourglass for time. Two hearts for community. The one on the left is your past, while the one on the right is your future, lifting up your past. And of course, the butterfly effect. Although we can't control the trials and tribulations we go through, we do control how we approach them with the power of choice of our attitude. Choose Your Attitude is a premium encouragement brand that offers men's and women's apparel and accessories. Lots of selections and continually to add more. Use Podcast 20 and get 20% off your first order just for our podcast listeners. Again, that's Podcast 20. Add that as a discount code to the website and get 20% off your first order. That's right. Shop now at chooseyourattitude.com. That's chooseyourattitude.com. If you would like to be a sponsor on the Choose Your Attitude podcast, email us at podcast at chooseyourattitude.com. Again, that's podcast at chooseyourattitude.com. Now let's get started. Roll that intro. Let's step back a little. Take a look inside our true self. Get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And let's embrace our reality. Life is tough, but so are you. Welcome to the Choose Your Attitude podcast with Nicholas Strand. Join Nick, author of Loving Someone Who's Dying, as he shares his experiences of life loss to life on the road as a traveling roadie. He and his guests will get into real topics while encouraging you to let go of the past, lift up the present, and fiercely build your better tomorrow. Let's get through this together. Now, here's your host, Nick Strand. Welcome to the Choose Your Attitude podcast. I am super excited to have Marcy Keithley here. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nick. I'm really honored to be here. It's super exciting. Um, you wrote a book called uh, Shoebox Effect. And 
you have an amazing story. I, let's start with that. Can you kind of uh, share your story with, with the audience? Certainly. Uh, my story begins actually in the fall of 2007. Um, I was at a crossroads in my life at that particular time. Uh, I wasn't quite aware of it, but because I was living the American dream, I had the perfect job in finance. I was pulling in a six-figure salary. I had the Lexus in the driveway, the golden retriever family dog, the perfect dog. Uh, I was in a, my marriage was uh, 17 years old. So to the outside world, everything looked perfect. Uh, but on the inside, not so good. Uh, and as I shared with you, I was coming to a crossroads. Actually, my marriage was failing. And I knew I needed to sign the divorce papers that had been lying there, and I couldn't do it. My dog had cancer and needed to put down, and I couldn't do it. Because you see, Nick, I had become the master of denial my whole life. I knew how to play that game. And I knew how I could shelter my pain by just ignoring things and putting them off in, in by denial. But the universe has a way of saying it's time. And I came home from work one day and was looking for my dog and couldn't find him anywhere. And there was only one room in the house that he could not go into, and that was my bedroom. And I found him burrowed in my closet, and he had knocked over all these boxes of shoes. And in there lay one box that I had made in 1978. It was laying there on its side. And so as my poor dying dogs burrowed in, in my closet, I sat down with him and realized that that box, the universe was telling me that, you know, that's how I interpreted it, is it was time to go back to my past and resolve some old wounds that I had been carrying around my whole life. That's where my story opens. And yeah, it's uh, it, it was a, a surreal moment in the closet when you're faced with the ghosts of your past and the reality that you have to take action. And fear is normally what holds us back when we don't take action, right? It's the fear of the unknown. But it takes me a while. It takes me a long while from that box to actually opening it. You would think, what is, what, what's, why are you so scared of a little box? But in the story, of course, you, you find out. But Inside the box, I had some articles, uh, I had a book, I had some other things that I made the day after I came home from the hospital without a baby. And it was my way of healing myself. And I had put some articles in there and I had surrendered my baby to adoption in 1978. And on that fateful day, with no counseling, with no therapist, with no family support, I decided I was going to house my pain. And I ended up writing a poem to my daughter, putting it inside there, uh, a book that I had received, The Prophet, uh, from an orderly, and some pictures. And I threw it in the top of my closet and threw sweaters on top of it and thought I had contained my demon. Uh, but as you can see, here we are 30 years later, that came forward. Because we can never run from our past. And that's something that I learned is you can, you, you might outrun it for a little bit, but eventually it's going to rear its ugly head in your present day life, in your business life, in your professional life. You can't 
you can't stay, they can't stay hidden forever. You, you know, you absolutely have to face those demons down. And that's what I did. I, I, you know, it's, it's tough because as you said, we all got a journey. We've all got a struggle going through and that's, you know, one of our biggest challenges is, is to go through these, these journeys and in these struggles and be able to learn the new relationship. Um, what were some of the first steps that you took when, when you actually, you know, kind of came to this realization, um, in the, in the processing of, you know, moving forward? Well, as I shared with you earlier, the opening the box was the first thing. It was, you know, I expected demons to come running out of the box and my hair, you know, flying in the wind and, you know, all this incredible pain. Uh, it takes me a while, but eventually it was about a week. I made the, de the decision to put my dog down and I knew that I was headed in that direction. So I opened up the box and of course, none of those things happened, but it, I sat there that evening and it just took me back to the seventies and I started to reliving some of those, those memories and some of those pain that some of the pain and trying to remember that young girl, you know, the young girl who was, you know, raring to go at ready for life um, and all the challenges and the excitement that lay ahead. So I was in search of her that evening and what I realized is I needed to find her and I had to get answers. But in my mind, the only way to, to get to her was to get to him. And he was my first love and he walked out on us. Um, and, but I eventually find him and that gave, and we get married four months later oh, after 30 years <laughs> and we go on a search for our daughter and we find her on father's day. Oh, wow in five hours. Oh, so we were locate, we were connected uh, by a search angel in Arizona that just happened to read. I had been on her blog. It's adoptiondatabase.org. And I had left a little bit of uh, details about the situation, about, about my story. And she thought it was fascinating. And my daughter was in a registry and that's how we got connected. But you'll, you learn all those things in, in the book. And I didn't even know anything about a registry, but she had been looking for me for over 10 years and couldn't find me because the records are closed. Oh, wow. I, I got to, yeah. so, the, I mean, adoption is huge and, and to find your daughter with, uh, you know, your partner, I, I, that's big to begin with, but I, I want to move it back is. to, uh, you know, uh, you processing again. Um, when you did that, was was it all? I mean, it, it's heavy, but did you feel a sense of you know worth, a, a sense of happiness um, as you went through it? Even though, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I get it. It was sad, but at the same time, you know, did did you see the light as you started to you know process and uh, feel um, all that weight that kind of had been put in the shoebox and, and left for a bit? It's just a, it's an excellent question because and it's it's very layered because I'm a very strong woman and I just believed that if I could just find them it would all be okay but to your point all those emotions came out all all of a sudden I wasn't the 52 year old I was the young girl all of a sudden he wasn't you know 
his age, you know, he was the, the, the young boy that I fell in love with. And our daughter was a baby. And the, the scene, and I describe this uh, in great detail, is just as I started to process this, I didn't realize that. But when she came to, to Indiana that first evening, she was very familiar with me and laid her head on my lap and kept stroking my face, looking at me, saying, you're my mother. You are my mother. And that's when those feelings started to come in. And I, the room was crowded. It was the, you know, the younger versions of herself with the older, you know, with our, our current selves and trying to, trying to deal with all that, all the loss from all the decades. So you're right. We had to immediately, we found that it wasn't enough to be together. That, that wasn't, a, it wasn't enough. And we needed help. We needed counseling. We needed to find our way back to one another and how we were going to blend our family. Um, but we denied a lot. We had to, it took us a while to, to, to realize that because we were just overjoyed in that, what they call the honeymoon period. To process those emotions, it took me 10 years to not only get through all of this and write the book because as I was journaling and, and dabbling with writing a book, I had to go through each one of those. And it took me back. And what happens is as you're writing too and you're processing those emotions that that you think that you can handle, it pulls you back to your inner child. And you've got to address those wounds. And I wasn't ready for that. That just took me into another another space. And I, I because I it took me back to my own abandonment of five years old. And I hadn't realized that false belief system that I had created as a child. So I had to work through that. You know, it, it was a lot. It it, it took a lot. It, it's, uh, it's a great analogy in the, in the fact of, you know, that life is tough. We're all going through that struggle or through a struggle um, and, and putting it all in a shoebox and setting it aside um, and then opening it up later is is just more uh uh weight to where you currently stand and so you know the ability to process as we go along is, is so helpful now mind you sometimes you know there was you know maybe there was fate in, in the sense that there were some lessons you know that you were going through that we didn't realize you know that uh to get you to this moment um but the the meaning and and the 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 power of um, always processing, no matter how heavy it is, you know, that, that weight or that, that struggle is, is so huge in this message. Um, and, and the power of, uh, you know, as I say, sometimes learning to become comfortable in the uncomfortable yeah. um, and, you know, uh, embracing the reality we live in um, and, and, you know, always keeping that shoebox open as opposed to, you know, closed. Um, and, and that, that's huge. Now let, let's jump ahead to the, a little bit more of the exciting stuff. Should I say, you know, here, here you are 10, 10 years, you know, further, you know, processing and having to not only deal with where you stand now as a human, but at the same time, you know, the, the, the baggage or, or the shoebox weight, uh, from the past. Um, can you talk us through a little bit of that and, and, you know, the progression and, um, you know, what it's kind of developed? Um, 
certainly. Um, there's so many things that I uncovered when I stepped out and openly said, I surrendered a child for adoption in 1978. Of course, um, we had a little bit of news coverage. It, it, it was front page news, which I didn't see that coming at all, which started the whole thing with family going, why, why are you doing this? You know, the family was just very concerned about it because they were still living in this decade of, of, of shame. Um, but we, we just, I, I just knew that there had to be a reason for finding the shoebox and, um, you know, releasing my pain and, and going through what I did. Um, and what happens is I eventually, when I find out the truth of my, the whole, the whole truth of my daughter's story, I find out that the reason that she couldn't find me was, you know, again, because of the closed records. And I was like, well, we're all adults. I mean, nobody's a child anymore. I don't understand that. But it's a, it's a state by state law. And because my daughter couldn't find me, she had, as a result, she had a stroke. Uh, because there were some medical issues um, that uh, that medical information didn't get passed down to the adoptive parents. She wasn't treated properly. And as a result of that, she had a stroke. So it angered me. And I wrote my state senator and I thought, well, if I'm a mom who surrendered and I didn't know this, what does the average person think about this? So I wrote my state senator about getting a bill on the floor to open the records for the state of Indiana. And I partnered up with a gal in Bloomington who was an adoptee who wanted to do the same thing. And we um, lobbied for nine years and it took us that long, but we finally were able to get a bill passed. It's not a perfect bill by any means, but we got a bill passed. So if you were born between 41 and 93, 1993, you can now go and get your original birth certificate your health information, and you can know who you are. So we have formed um, a not-for-profit. Um, this one is an educational organization. And I started networking in the adoption community. And it was there that I found my footing and my grounding and my purpose. And I knew there were so many lost people who were hurting. And we've all come together. And through these years now, we've, we've just recently gone national. And in January, it's called the National Association of Adoptees and Parents. And we talk about all things pertaining to the adoption constellation, whether it be, she always has to get in the, get on to <laughs> Yeah, you just always have to come on board, don't you? Um, we um, hold an annual conference in Indianapolis, at, which is going to be held in the fall. We have keynote speakers, you know, the top keynote speakers, um, workshops. We have 14 workshops. We do plays, movies. Um, we do support groups. Uh, we have an adoption happy hour every Friday night that I host. And we talk to people all over the world. Um, it's just been, it's just been an amazing thing. And so throughout all of this, as, as I share with you, it is just, it's just been amazing to connect to other moms who, who lost children and some of those have lost children forcibly um, that they can they can also be participate in this conference. So it's just it's been a, a, a true blessing. So you you take you take this uh, weight of um, you know 
as a young woman having to adopt uh, a child, um, kind of living through, you know, life to uncover the pain, but then taking it all into turning it into something better. Um, I, th- I think that's magical to be able to, you know, replace that pain with something positive. And when I say positive, I, I don't so-, so much mean happy, sad. I-, I mean more in the sense of, uh, you know, to help others and to create change and to create education, you know, o- on that struggle. Um, I, I got to ask kind of a little bit back, you know, that, that, that pain of hiding it. Do you feel that was, that was fear um, of, you know, it not being accepted of, of your personal inner, uh, you know, feeling towards your daughter or I I just have to ask a little bit about that itself. You you mean when I made the decision to surrender uh, back? Yeah. The, um, you know, as we all, we're, we're all challenged, uh, when we have these traumas or, or these struggles that we go through and we avoid them due to sometimes a fear or, you know, and so I'm just trying to kind of pinpoint that a little bit to kind of understand, um, you know, how sometimes people, uh, we all have a fear of some sort that, that challenges that. The decision to surrender is based on the times. And in the times, if you were unwed, you got married. If you didn't, um, a lot of girls went to homes for unwed mothers to give birth to their children, but it was shame. I mean, shame was real back then. It was real. And shame was, you know, I was told, don't come home. Don't come home. I was not, I was not allowed to attend my sister's wedding. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of, just a lot of shame where that was concerned. And it wasn't, it was, well, I guess I was scared obviously because I was alone, but it was more shame than anything. Uh, but, you know, fast forward the decision to find her. I mean, I've always was of the belief that because I wasn't found, she didn't want to be found. And she was living this amazing life that I was promised. Well, as you find out in the book, that is far from the truth. There is a, it's just, it was, it was horrible that I discovered. Um, but so I never looked, I didn't want to, you know, I had accepted the decision that I had made, whether it was coerced or not, because you're, you, uh, I also discovered that my own doctor who solicited me for the adoption sold my daughter to a couple he went to college with and they should not have been parents. So it was a lot for all of us when we, we, we uncover these truths, uh, to deal with. Uh, Did that answer your question? Yeah. I I Uh, just, you know, it. one of the things I'm finding as I interview people and, and listen to journey and such is it's interesting how much society suppresses us yes. uh, into feeling this way and almost creating that, that mental struggle. And so that's why I was kind of digging. I wanted to feel, um, you know, a, a sense of, you know, where that was coming from. And, and, and in a sense, there was a message behind it that I was, I was getting to. And, and it was exactly that, that, um, you know, by all means, what you went through in the fact of, you know, you had a child, but struggled to manage that child, that in itself was normal, but it society suppressed it to make it not normal and made it a challenge that, you know, you're, you're now trying to catch up with, which 
is, is difficult and which is actually very beautiful because now you have an organization that's doing the exact opposite and trying to make it normal and help people feel normal. So that way, both the child and, you know, the family. So that way, you know, we can, we can try to fix that. And I, I, I think that's, um, you know, pretty beautiful is in your organization outside of those programs. Is, is there a certain audience that you focus to outside? So it's, you know, is it the child of adoption, uh, the parents who adopted or, or adoption parents? Um, we, um, again, the, the name says it all. It's, yeah. and we didn't, we didn't use a qualifier. So parents can mean birth parents. It can mean adoptive parents. You know, our happy hour that we have on Friday night is all about elevating the voices of all those that have been affected because we've all been affected. It's centralized and on the adoptee. It should be all about the adoptee, the one who had no choice in all of this. Uh, but we all have these stories and, um, you know, they're all, they're all shared on Friday nights from all walks of life. Um, but getting back to you, what you originally said too, I wanted to mention that, you know, back in the day, we were told to move on with our lives, forget it ever happened, pretend you never gave birth. We were suppressed and we're told to be quiet and compliant and sign here, give us your child. It was just that black and white. You'll never know nothing. Uh, don't ask any questions. And so as a young girl, I re even remember rehearsing saying I only, you know, eventually, you know, of course I have another daughter, but saying I only had one child of lying to the doctor when I went in for a physical. How many children did you give birth to? One. You know, not, it, it just, you know, you're a young man and I'm 66 years old and we, the times back then were just totally, totally different. If we use the, the knowledge and the mindset that we have today and we look back and we go, oh, how could you do that? Or it's not a big deal. So, so you were pregnant. Oh, no, 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 no. Totally different back then. So, you know, for me, what I found out today, I mean, there's, there's so much loss. And, and my book really is generally about loss. It's not all about adoption. It's about loss, um, loss of self. Um, I experienced a lot of immediate family member deaths that we, we talk about. I uncover other family secrets uh, that my mother had a shoebox, that my sister had a shoebox. And we uncover and unearth all these secrets and losses and regrets and it all comes full circle it all comes out and all this healing takes place because of one moment in a shoebox i am freed of that my past i've accepted and owned my my decisions and i've decided to you know i adopt that attitude of yeah. helping others and and sharing that message my mother, who is, well, she just recently passed away, was 92 years old. There's a resolution there with my mother. Uh, my older sister, you learn about with her shoebox. There's a huge twist in all of this that is just amazing. But we all come to this place of, of healing, forgiveness, acceptance. And now we're using all of that and we want, we want to help others. That's what. That's what our organization does. 
It's uh, it's a powerful thing to help others, and it it, it definitely that in itself, I think, is is so healing uh, for myself. Anyways, is to to be able to provide to others to help them in their journey, um, and you know to you know, like you said, self awareness um, is you know very difficult. And we get lost sometimes, um, and to find that inner core is is huge. Um, you know, outside of you know. I guess self and you know those struggles you know what what would you say to others that are going through a life struggle that you know maybe aren't comfortable or as developed you know as as you've become um you know in in these struggles you know what would you say to them to to help them get through it and to you know feel accepted I guess and and the challenge they're facing Yeah there is a process to um, opening your shoebox. And we, again, we all have them, whether they're physical or not, they could be spiritual or emotional. Um, you know, in my case, I had, obviously I had a physical one, but the first thing it really is acknowledging. Acknowledgement is the, the, the key component to starting and, and journaling. Just if you're not strong enough at that point to ask for help, or you you're close enough to someone that you can go to that person and 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 talk with them. Start to write. Start to journal your feelings exactly how you feel. Uh, that's that's the number one thing I think. And you know, write it down. How do you feel? How are you hurting? Why are you hurting? Who hurt you? Uh, start to just identify those components of of what's happened to you initially. And. Be kind to yourself and give yourself grace because it's very, very difficult to go back and visit your inner child without support. Um, I did therapy. Um, I did coaching because there's a difference between coaching and therapy. Um, so I, I did them both and I continued to journal because, you know, you're, there's never a point when you're here healed from your past. It, you're a work in progress. But you do get to this point where you do have freedom from it. But you have to start somewhere. And, you know, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a counselor. I just want to share my story because I know the peace and the freedom that it gave me. I want others, to, you know, maybe, it, you know, adoption, I guess you can put adoption totally to the side. And you can listen to the story or read the book or, or, or whatever. You're going to identify with my story. Um, at the end of each chapter, I, and I realized, let me back up a second. My book is written, was written initially as a memoir. And when it got to the editing phase, my editor said, oh, you can't, you can't just write this as a memoir. And I said, why not? And they said, it's chock full of life lessons. So you're going to reach a broader audience. And we got to talking about it. I thought, you know, she's right. I mean, there's just so much there. So together, at the we came up with, at the end of each chapter, the highlight of that chapter is a life lesson. And it has little, like, points to ponder. So it's written for you, Nick. The book's written for you. I'm sharing my story but I'm speaking to you. And as you read, 
you, you will identify with something in your past. It will go, wait a minute. I forgot about that. Or I really do need to deal with that. Or, oh my gosh, I never thought about X, Y, and Z. So like I said, it's, it's not, it's a, a hybrid of memoir and self-help to give you that courage to face down your fears. But it takes work. But there's so much power in the pain when you go there and you sit in it with all those broken pieces and you start to, you know, sift through your mess. There's there's golden nuggets in it. There's just all there always is. But we are so we, you know, our attitude has a lot to do with it because we can claim to be that victim and go, oh, woe is me. And I, I'm, you know, look what happened to me. Or you can go, wait a minute. This happened to me. There's there's a lesson and you have to look for it and it's there. And then when you realize that, then it's like this light bulb goes off and you want to share that message. You mean, you can't contain it. It's like it's life changing. And if I can live through something like that, well, Nick can or or, you know, someone else. I mean, I've experienced so much grief with loss of family members. We've had 10 deaths in five years. I've lost two sets of parents, two sisters. <laughs> I mean, and three people just in the last three months. How, do, how does one get past that? It, it, how, do you, how do you grieve? I, Multiple I think losses. It, <laughs> it, it's, it's a lot, especially, you know, as, as the, um, as it adds up, you know, that there's, there's a lot that happens. And I think what, what I heard you say, if I was to wrap it up into one, and I was actually writing it down as, as you were saying both, but it's literally taking the exact same thing. Nothing changes in what happened, but it's literally your mind frame and it's changing it that regret into a lesson. So taking, you know, that, 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 just a mind frame of not looking at it as a regret, but looking at it as, okay, well, how can I learn from this so it doesn't happen again? Or, or how can I learn from this so that way I can, I can develop my thinking, I can develop, um, you know, a, a future to be able to really to learn the relationship with that past. Um, and, and, you know, introduce the lesson as opposed to it as a regret. And, um, you know, it's kind of like with friends, I guess, you know, you, some friends, I guess, or, or let's use colors, <laughs> you know, certain colors have a certain mood, other colors have a, you know, a, a positive mood. Um, but it's literally trying to take and, and take that and do the same thing and, and redevelop your frame of thinking for that one thing. And, uh, you know, that, that light brings out, um, I, I will have to say, I, I felt the same thing after Brianna and my mom died, you know, um, and after writing the book and starting this, that same thing of, you know, all that weight and turning it into something positive that I can give, you know, um, and, and learn from, um, you know, I have to ask today, as you stand here, um, do you feel that the processing is over? Do you feel like you're now moving forward? Like, uh, or do you feel like you're, it, it's a, a constant thing that you're always, uh, you know, 
developing and understanding and, and, you know, continuing to educate yourself or, um, you know, experience the challenge. Yeah. You're constantly processing. You're constantly moving forward, but you have, like, like I said, you, you have a point where you reach this level of peace and you, you choose better. Um, but it, it is, it's, it's not a, a destination. It is a journey and it's, it's a work in progress. But, um, you know, I have to remind myself often, you know, again, it, it goes back to the same thing. I mean, the, the pain and loss are inevitable. We are all going to face those. How we choose to process that is up to us. We have control over that. And I just, I choose to to move forward. I'm a, I'm a, I can consider myself a lifetime learner. I don't think, you know, you have to be a lifetime learner of life, period. I mean, you just have to be. And I believe that our stories are some of the greatest assets and gifts that we have. And not, not everybody writes a book or not everybody wants to do public speaking a, a, about their message. And that's okay. Uh, just sharing it, uh, your story over a cup of tea. You don't know the ripple effect of when someone hears your story, where that leads, how that changes a person, how that moves them a little bit closer to that peace and freedom that I, that I speak about. We don't know that. And we do the universe a disservice if we keep it inside of us. So I feel that, like I said, stories, our voices are just crucial to helping others. I, I feel the exact same. And it's, it's a, it's an energy that's, um, you know, it's inspiring for self <laughs> when you feel that energy to, to keep going. I, I gotta ask, do you feel that your processing of, of this one big, you know, weight in your life has also equipped you with the knowledge to help you with all the other challenges in your life? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it gives you um, a new level of courage. Yeah. Do you, do you feel in a sense that, um, you know, what you feared before, in a sense, you now look at very comfortably to acknowledge and process? I would, I would say so. Uh, you know, there's always going to be sadness about the past, uh, about your losses. And that's okay. Yeah. And it's okay to have those, those grief bursts. And I, I, a lot of times, Nick, I'll pick a time. I'll go, well, I just need to sit and think about the loss of my mother, which was so, so huge and play the sad music and go in a room by myself and cry or write or, or whatever it is. And, and talk to her and then, okay, I, I'm okay. I'm done to the next time. And it's I okay. Do, I do the exact same thing. It's it. Um, you have those moments where you just, you need to feel, you need to break those walls down and learn to, you know, uh, that relationship with those emotions for sure. And, um, you know, grief, grief, uh, something I'm learning more and more about grief is just, with the, the amount of losses that I've had in my family, each one is unique and that 
because of that relationship. I mean, the death of a, a parent is def different from the death of a spouse or I just lost my ex-husband. Um, he, he just died two weeks ago. I just lost my sister last week, my younger sister. And with each loss, some of the feelings are the same, but they're layered and they're, they're unique. And we have to process that those losses differently. It's, um, yes. Um, but it's learning those emotions and, and feeling comfortable with those to do mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's, it's, it's a beautiful journey as difficult it is. And, you know, kind of coming back to a full circle again is it's normal and it's okay. And you know, the thing of it is with our emotions, you know, again, you, you go to the doctor when you're sick, you go to the, the dentist when you need a tooth pulled. What about our emotional house? What, what are we doing with it? What is the big deal about showing emotion and really feeling it? And it needs to be, it, it doesn't always need to be private. A lot of times, you know, grief is meant for the community. It's meant to be experienced by a community, not by yourself. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, just like happiness, um, that energy is is important to share with others but also reciprocated when you go through that um and i agree it's if there was a lesson a big challenge that i've learned in this whole mission is exactly everything you just said is it's it's very amazing how naive we become because of that social suppression of emotions and it's the most fundamental core-hearted thing that humans deal with and go through and it's one of the biggest forms of communication and and relationships and um you know that's i you know that's a whole nother thing that being able to do that helps us um because you know i don't know how many times you know you you try to talk to somebody but you suppress saying what needs to be said but over that emotion um, and it, you know, those emotions are real and you got to process it. And, um, I think that's, that's huge. It's a great lesson that your story has, has shared. And, um, I love that. I, I want to circle back to, uh, your, uh, uh, the association that you've created for adoptees and parents. Um, I, I see that not only is it a platform to, connect and to share with others, but you guys also have resources, uh, to help. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to use the word test, but at the same time, uh, you know, to, to, you know, see the connection or, or, you know, uh, those type of things. Um, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, there are, <clears throat> our website is napunited.org. So that's naapunited.org. It is resource heavy, and you'll you'll see when you visit our website, uh, the adoptee comes first. So there's all kinds of resources there for if, if you're adopted, if you're um, a birth parent, or if you're an adoptive parent. Uh, we also have some recommend recommendations for books. There's uh, movies, plays. 
we have a list of recommended adoption competent therapists. And that's important because not every therapist is adoption competent uh, because adoption, there's a, just a, a toe. It's like an onion. I mean, there's just layer upon layer of, um, of emotions and uh, situations that are, are unique in adopt in the adoption world. So uh, that's another thing that our organization is doing. We're, we're working towards uh, expanding uh, those therapists where they're, they're, they're doing some additional training. We're going to have a, like a, um, a directory where people can go in different states if they're looking for that particular type of help. We have bi-monthly calls for those adoptees that are, uh, that are suffering from, um, that are in recovery from addiction. So we do those, uh, like I said, bi-monthly. We have a support group for reunion. Um, we have a universal calendar that not only shows you all the things that we're doing in our organization, but we collaborate with other organizations. So we, we post their uh, support groups, conferences, uh, whatever is going on with, with the other organizations as well. So, yeah, it's very heavy, you know, resource heavy. And if we don't know the answer, we'll, we'll find it for you. But we wanted something to where those individuals that maybe, again, like we were talking earlier, maybe they don't even have, they don't have the courage to step up or they even know that there's all these resources available for adults. We, we want them to know. And then we do also have a kids corner. That where we're, we have just, it's on the ground level right now, but we're developing for helping adoptive parents who, um, you know, who have a, a small child. And actually, I wanted to show you this. <laughs> we have a little, we wrote a little book. Oh, wow. It's called For Adoptive Parents that they can read to their, ch their child. And it's it. meant to initiate dialogue yeah. about adoption. And some of those tough questions. And um, so we're, we're going to be doing a series of these with different topics, but we like this little guy. He's kind of like our, our friendly mascot. But I um, yeah. yeah. I, I so, see that you, you guys also not only uh, help those that are within, but also those that are searching um, to create a reunion as well. Um, so if they're looking for their lost connection, and or to reunite. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, we do have some resources where we can connect you with a search angel. Uh, we also have a relationship with uh, DNA experts. So we can help you to, because um, that can be very confusing when you get your DNA and how to read all of that. So um, we have uh, experts that can help uh, someone with their, their DNA. Um, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of resources there for those in search. If they, you know, education is very important when you begin your search and you shouldn't do it alone. Like I did, uh, that was the biggest mistake that I made was that you really do. There's a, there's a preparation that, that, that needs to be done prior to a search. And there's so many tools out there that we can assist you with and prepare you and give you that needed support that you need before you even step, uh, make that first connection. So I love that. I, um, it, it's, it's amazing to see this journey, 
Um, and, and I love it's so inspiring to see somebody take, you know, a, a struggle in their life, something that, you know, at that moment was, was a tough battle and turn it into something to help others, uh, you know, go through that because, you know, it, it's not that we want to go through it again, but it's always great to be able to have those resources that we didn't have when we went through it and, and share that with others. And I love that you've, you've taken that energy. Not only has it taught you more about yourself, but it's also helped, um, you know, the community around you and, and by golly, there's no better feeling than to help others. And, um, you know, I, I love that. I, I got to ask, is there anything else that's on your mind that, you know, we haven't touched that, you know, you, you maybe want to, uh, you know, share, um, before we go to the last question? Um, you know, there's just one really, yeah. one big point I would like to make. I look back on my life right now in the last 10, 12 years and all these incredible people that I've met and organizations and other events that I participated in and finding my first love, finding my daughter, finding I have grandchildren, the healing that went, took place with my mother and I, the uncovering of secrets, all, all from one moment in a closet with a tip over of a shoebox, an old shoebox. I can't say enough about that. I, it just, I look back on my life and go, all because of that, this is where I am today. All these new friendships and this this peace that I never thought I would be able to find. It's just it blows my mind. It's it's very poetic in the fact of, you know, you hear everybody say, you know, you gotta you gotta expose the elephant in the room or, you know, don't you know, take it from out of the bed or, you know, those type of things and you know, the shoe boxes, uh, you know, uh, for it to literally happen and, and be it, you know, that for sure, that's, um, definitely something, uh, uh, inspiring. So the shoebox effect, uh, you talk about it as, as something that you've gone through, but it, there, there's an actual meaning behind it, uh, outside of your personal connection. Yes. The shoebox effect is a real thing. And actually I knew it about it. I knew about it in my financial career. That's where I learned about it when I was studying for my insurance exam. But it's back in the day, like the, the 90s particularly, where insurance companies, what, what, what happened is you would go to the doctor and you would pay for your, your service and you would keep your receipt. And at the, you know, you, at the end of the year, you would take your receipts and turn them in and you would get reimbursed for what was out of pocket. Well, what a lot of people would do is they would take all these receipts and they would put them away until the end of the year. Most people put them in a shoebox. So what would happen is they'd stick them in a shoebox, they'd totally forget about them, and then the insurance companies, you know, they, they never had to reimburse. So they made millions, millions of dollars uh, because of all these unprocessed claims. Well, I use that analogy because that's what we do in our everyday lives as humans. Those beautiful moments, those happy times. We take pictures and we keep little momentums from uh, mementos from happy events. But what about the painful ones? What about the ones that cause us great, great pain? 
Well, we want to metaphorically throw them someplace. And, you know, like me, I just made a shoebox and, and put them there thinking that I could house my pain. But those shoeboxes eventually are going to get kicked off the shelves because you can't contain your pain. You can't deny what's happened to you or what you've experienced because there's a payday. So the shoebox effect, like I said, it's real. I've experienced it. I've opened my box. I've dealt with those things and I want to help others. I love it. Um, I got to ask, so part of, you know, choose your attitude. It was, it was developed or, or created off the inspiration of my wife uh, who passed from cystic fibrosis. She created the quote, choose your attitude, create your life. And so as a way to end the podcast with everybody, I love to kind of reach out and, and ask, um, you know, if, if by hearing that, um, how would you interpret that out loud to people? Um, and, and, you know, in connection with, you know, the things that you've gone through in your life and such. Um, but yeah, how would you interpret that to others for choose your attitude, create your life? You know, I, I think I can interpret it by reading a poem that I wrote. Could I do that? Sure. Go for it. Um, I think this kind of sums it up and it's called choices. If you were given a second chance to step back into time and change a wrong and make it right, I wonder what you'd find. For God has chosen a special path for all of us, you see. Would you correct the mistakes you made, or would you let them be? As I look back on my own life, the choices that I made were ones that helped me grow up strong. None were made in vain. Regardless whether wrong or right, each one helped me to see that only when we fail to choose, our lives can never be. You have a choice to start each day with happiness and joy, or you could choose to stay in bed depressed, removed, and void. You have a chance. You have a choice to share your life with friends and family, or hide away within yourself and miss your destiny. You have a choice to take a chance or let it walk on by, but you will never take you will never taste success until you reach and try. For failures teach us many things and are not meant to be a way to give up on a dream and hand away the key. So when you choose, choose carefully and look within your heart. For only when we fail to choose, your life can never start. And I feel that that kind of wraps it up because we, again, we have control over our attitude. And we can just stay right where we are, a victim broken, lost, angry, depressed, whatever it is, or we can say no more. I choose happiness. I choose wellness. I choose to share my message. Whatever it is, you do have control of that. And it just takes that one, that first step. I love that. It's, um, it's a beautiful poem and uh I'm going to I'm going to see if I can get a copy of that and we'll put it in the description so people can actually uh you know see it as well um and and add uh you know a little bit of layer to that um and that's a beautiful way to uh you know describe that question um so I I love that um where can people find you um we'll I'll make sure to put this in the description but as a way to say it in audio verbal way um 
where, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook, uh, Marcy Keithley. I also have an author page, and I think you'll probably have to go to the author page because I think I'm right at 5,000 followers. I'm also on Twitter uh, and Instagram as The Shoebox Effect. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on. Um, it, I love your story, and uh, it, it's so great to have this connection. Um, Marcy, thank you for being on. Um, we will... You're uh, welcome. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. To reach out to Nick and the Choose Your Attitude community, find us on social media at Choose Attitude Create Life. Share your attitude with the world with merch guaranteed to encourage at chooseyourattitude.com. Be sure to share us with friends, family, and colleagues. And while you're at it, leave us an uplifting review. We'd very much appreciate it. Check back for new episodes. Until next time, choose your attitude, create your life.